Before we get started, a quick disclosure. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Nothing you hear is an offer or solicitation to buy or sell any investment. And with that, hello and welcome to the Range of Capital podcast. This is a 15-minute long podcast, and the clock starts now. I'm Andrew Walker, Portfolio Manager at Rangely Capital, and with me as always is my co-host and the founder of Rangely Capital, Chris Demuth. It is Wednesday, January 13th, and today we're going to talk all about Berkshire Hathaway. And Chris, before we dive in, uh, I'll set the stage a little bit. We both have uh, immense respect and admiration for Warren Buffett, so this conversation can go in a lot of ways, including us just drooling for 15 minutes. But uh, the brunt of it is Berkshire has not been immune to the recent market sell-off. Shares today are trading for about 190000 per share, and uh, that's about 1.25 times Q3 reported book value of around 152000 And why we want to talk about them is Buffett has communicated pretty openly that when shares are at 1.2x or below book, 1.2x or below price to book, then he will have an open buyback policy where he could buy back as many or as few shares as he wants. Uh, that price is kind of $180,000 today. So that's my overview. Why don't I just turn it over to you and you can kind of go with your thoughts on Buffett, Berkshire, and the repurchase. Well, Warren Buffett is one of my heroes. Uh, I'm very pro uh, Buffett and I like having heroes, although I'm always a little ambivalent about hero worship. I suspect he would be too. I yep. think he's uh, a great man, a great investor, uh, probably the greatest investor of all time. Uh, uh, but uh, but I think it's fair to kind of look at him uh, as any other and his business is one that is sometimes uh worth owning but uh, like anything risk is always and everywhere a function of price what's interesting about it today is that that price looks pretty low by uh, uh, my standards I think it looks fairly low by his too yeah so uh, he said I'm gonna buy back shares at 1.2x uh, book and mm-hmm. this is one of the greatest investors ever if not the greatest who's saying like hey when my shares trade at this level I want to spend my money uh, retiring shares versus all my other options for the shares. What does that tell you about Berkshire? Well, he can buy any publicly traded stock. And for practical purposes, he can buy any mega cap. Yep. Uh, he can get special deals. Uh, he's gotten extraordinary special deals, uh, famously with Bank of America and Goldman Sachs. So when he turns up all of his opportunity cost to buy back Berkshire, that says to me that his view of intrinsic value closer to one and a half times book one, somewhere exactly. there. Exactly. I think there's some uh, some great ways to measure it. The two-column method is probably the most prevalent. If mm-hmm. you look, Whitney Tilson at Case Capital, he does an updated two-column every quarter or so, which you can Google and see. That's great. But 1.5x book is where it about comes to. I want to dive into Buffett's special deals, but real quickly, I'm just going to throw this out there and you can agree or disagree. I think a lot of people think 1.2x book, like, oh, Buffett will buy back shares there. That's the price floor. And that's enti- the entirely wrong way to think about it. If the market was down 50% and, Buff- and Berkshire was trading at 1.2x book, I would almost guarantee Buffett's going to be putting his money elsewhere. It's just in relation to his opportunity cost, that's where he thinks Berkshire is cheap. Do you, you kind of agree with that? He'll do what makes sense at exactly. the time. But 1.2x is kind of the indication it starts to make a lot of sense to buy back share. Mm-hmm. So let's go to Buffett's uh, reputation and his special deals. I think one of the great things about Buffett that is kind of under-celebrated is he gets people to do what he wouldn't do. He gets people to sell their businesses to him for a lot less than they're worth or what someone else would pay for it. Uh, 
Why is that? What do you think about that type of reputation? Uh, you know, I think that one of the uh, kind of great life goals is to earn a <laughs> reputation over time where uh, your reputation is discounted as little as possible. Yep. It is both uh, a virtue and a common sense that you can monetize uh, to have people uh, discount you as little as possible. Buffett gets a premium. I mean, Buffett's reputation is when he puts in a dollar, it's worth more than that. And uh, especially in volatile times, especially when there's a crisis, uh, sometimes this leads to very strange dynamics. Uh, uh, in my youth, I was a large shareholder of Clayton Homes, mm -hmm. and I was put in the extremely odd situation that after our shares were cashed out, but before we received our shares, a judge in the last second put an injunction in. So we had neither the shares nor the cash for weeks out of holders who figured well if he wants to buy yeah then why should we want to sell so there was a <laughs> I, I don't remember the certuo but there was basically a lawsuit that said oh the stock was at 16 buffett's taking out for 20 but buffett's such a good investor <laughs> if he's buying for 20 it has to be worth more so pay oh, us more 20s undervalued yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, no that's great but there i i think that putting a dollar in and you get more than a dollar is very interesting mm -hmm. so if you look in the crisis, he was the housekeeping good seal of approval. Mm -hmm. And his deals with Goldman and with a couple other people, they were more than what Goldman would have had to pay if they had gone to someone else. But the fact that Buffett was willing to put money in allowed them to raise other sources of capital cheaper. So, for instance, uh, I believe it was Burger King. They did a deal and Buffett helped them finance it with some very expensive preferred. Mm -hmm. But because Buffett helped them finance it, they raised the rest of their debt much cheaper than they would have otherwise. So that's one source his reputation pays off for companies and him. You know, I think that he uh, has uh, this amazing record, but sometimes people put an asterisk next to it saying, well... Uh, he can only do that because of how he situated himself. Yep. To me, that deserves extra adulation and yep. respect that he does what makes sense at the time for him, which is also why small investors shouldn't necessarily go around just copying what he does. Yep. He does what makes sense for him. And uh, Charlie always describes him as a lifetime learner. He's actually a very flexible thinker. Uh, he uh, had a great admiration for Ben Graham. He took the positives. He... Drop, dropped yeah. what made less sense in subsequent eras. Uh, Charlie uh, changed him quite a bit. His experiences have changed him. He's he's better than he was 10 years ago. Yep. So let's dive into, I, I think you said, uh, individual investors should not look to mimic Buffett because a lot of what he does, they don't have access to. Mm -hmm. So for example, Bank of America, they gave him a special preferred deal with a lot of warrants and a lot of people might have said, oh, Warren Buffett has invested in Bank of America. I should be the, buy the stock. But the actuality is he wasn't really buying the stock. He got a special sweetheart deal that helped everyone in the long run. But it wasn't necessarily a reflection on uh, Bank of America. Bank of America was a very ordinary investment at the time. I think kind of the ordinary mundane aspect of it was what allowed him to quickly look at it. The discount he got was the special deal. I, yep. I mean, I think, I hope and rather expect that you and I are doing much more interesting things than that right now at our scale uh, taking advantage of our situation which is really what everybody uh, should be doing. I find that the Buffett partnership era is much more instructive to me. You know, if you look at what he was doing when he was managing the amount of capital that we're managing now a lot more arbitrage uh, squeeze out stubs workouts a lot more uh, events special situations and at the very small cap level quite a bit of what today is called activism yep yep so maybe it's 
investors, a lot of investors look to copy Buffett, and that's a great thing. But what they should they should not be cop- copying his investments today. So his size limits him only to the fifty or hundred largest companies in the world. Those, mm-hmm. That's really the only things he can invest in. So he's invested in IBM. If he had hundred x less the capital, IBM wouldn't even be on his list of things he wanted to look at. Not but they really. should be emulating kind of Buffett's mindset and his approach to investing. Mm-hmm. Buy a dollar for a lot less than it's worth. Uh, be willing to be willing to structure deals with your opportunity costs, weigh everything against your opportunity costs, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think one of the things I've always enjoyed is uh, I know you and I are both game players. And uh, when Buffett first met Munger, what they first identified in each other was looking at business in life as a puzzler game yep. and uh, using rationality and honesty as kind of the key virtues to cultivate in winning that game. Yep, yep. Uh, let's see. So where else do we want to go? So why don't we talk about this? It has been kind of a rough year and a half for Berkshire over the past year. So his biggest investment ever was Burlington Northern, the uh, train company for $28 billion in, I believe it was 2011, 2011. And uh, railroads, if you just kind of look at a railroad index over the past year, have been a disaster. Precision cast parts, which he agreed to buy in July, is his new biggest deal. Uh, and all of its comps are down about 20% since he announced the deal. So it's been a rough year for him in terms of that. Uh, do you think this is a sign of Buffett has lost it or anything? No, I think that he sleeps well at night. I think, uh, uh, you know, I was thinking about this. Compared to his uh, cost basis on uh, Berkshire, I think he's still <laughs> doing quite well. You know, if yeah. you don't split your stock and you're kind of trading well into the uh, uh, six digits, you know, you've done something right. I just think that his time frame is so much longer than other people's. Yep. Uh, that, uh, you know, even just the verbiage. I, I had something I written up about an idea, uh, and I used the word recently. Uh, to describe something and I was just talking about past January and this person was very confused thinking that recently you know five minutes ago or ten minutes ago but I think for Buffett you know he's making decisions that make sense decade to decade so when people talk about in this incredibly kind of dramatic language about this is crashing or that he might think about the Great Depression, even if somebody's yeah. talking about CNBC <laughs> talking heads three hours ago. Uh, you know, it was interesting. I saw an interview with him from, I guess, October, and one of the moderator's questions was, "Have has all the market recent market volatility impacted your investing decisions? And he looked at her kind of surprised and was like, what market volatility? Like, you know, stocks from uh, beginning of 2015 to even now are kind of flattish to maybe a little down. And he was saying like, you know, flattish to little down, he doesn't even notice those types of things. I think if the market had been down 30, 40%, he probably would have noticed and felt some volatility. But that type of thing, up, up 1% a day, then down percent, doesn't even go on his radar. I think it's such a great way to look at things. It's funny, you know, the present tense is never clear. You know, yeah. uh, he says you pay a very high price for a cheery consensus. You know, I kind of picture, you know, cavemen, you know, 100,000 years ago, we're sitting by the fire thinking, you know, today is just this disaster the kids these days and all this volatility and so forth you know we're going to be able to think clearly again once things settle down and ever since then people have been saying the same thing you know this past i have this rosy view of the past i have this uh, specific view of the future but i'm uniquely cursed by this present tense where things are not perfectly clear uh, and uh, it's obviously silly i think buffett's in on the joke yep 
Uh, let's see. So where, where else do you want to go with it? Let's go a little bit to Buffett buying things at a discount. So mm-hmm. we talked about how his reputation can help people. Mm-hmm. One of the interesting things about I think about Buffett is the fact that he is so good on his word and he won't touch your business. Uh, if he says he's going to buy you and you have a deal, he will buy you come hell or high water. It's allowed him to buy a lot of businesses for a lot less than they're worth. So, you know, families will sell to him for $500 million when a private equity firm might have paid them $750 million. Or there was the case of the New York Stock Exchange when they sold. He was offering a lot less than a competitor was offering. But some directors were kind of like, ooh, if we sell to Buffett, that'd be great reputationally. And we're considering selling to him even though he was they were a publicly traded company and he was offering less. How do you feel about that? Would you, would you want to sell a stock to someone who offered you 20 instead of 22 just because they said it was a cooler person? No, I want to be the person who uh, demands that uh, kind of deal. Uh, no, I think that a huge part of his history and his ethos is in underpaying. Yes. Is just pay, you know, just to be a bloodhound for the free and the very cheap. And it's not that he is a tightwad. It's that he sees the world with a future that's very uncertain. Yep. You have to kind of really peg your decisions towards those few things that you can, with some robustness, understand about the future and then massively underpay so that you get to own a huge part of the distribution. Uh, you know, one of my favorite, I was actually talking to my, my, my bedtime story to my children last night was talking to them about stooping, about uh, Buffett uh, going to the racetracks and scooping up all of the tickets yeah. uh, that uh, the, the discarded the, tickets. The, the discarded tickets that people would, you know, sometimes they would be spitting, chewing tobacco, but they would drop these tickets on the ground and he would go through them and most of the discarded tickets were worthless as yep. the people assumed they were but uh, some uh, novice bettors uh, didn't realize that there were some payouts for second and third so place they, they would bet for a horse to place which mm-hmm. pays first through third and then when the horse came in second they were like oh he didn't win this ticket's a loser yeah. and they throw it on the ground and, and he would cash those out and then also they're contested less now with modern technology but back when he was a child there were contested races and so sometimes the loser would throw out the ticket but they were ended up the winning and yep. so if he could you know grab a thousand of these and shuffle through them he would uh, make a significant amount of money uh and i think that a lot of what he did was it was his key to profit was people who are certain and wrong yeah and if he can find people who are certain and wrong he's happy to own the field against them yeah i think one of the big things he's done is he loves to buy businesses where he can be He's smarter than all of us. He can be reasonably certain in the future, but he does. He has to pay absolutely nothing mm-hmm. for that certainty. Uh, yeah. So let's see. I think that's we're getting close to all the time we have today. Any last words on Berkshire or anything? Well, um, let's see here. Oh, there's uh, one little thing I'd mention, uh, which is if you don't own Berkshire, uh, looking at the options market yep. can be an interesting way to to kind of back into future commitments to owning it at uh, the price that he's willing to pay. So, so it's at about 1.25x book right mm-hmm. now. If you look to the options market, you could sell a put at 1.2x book, and then you're pre-committing to buying at 1.2x mm-hmm. book. You get some premium. Uh, yeah, absolutely an interesting way. 
Uh, the last thing I'll mention is this is the second podcast we've taped on Wednesday. And on both Wednesdays, the market has been down 2 to 3%. So I don't think we would be above taking bribes to stop taping podcasts on Wednesday. Do you have any issue with that with a, a bribe to stop taking, taping podcasts on Wednesday? Not at all. Because clearly we're causing these market sell-offs. All right, that's great. Well, uh, that's all the time we have for today. We'll be back next week with two podcasts. Uh, thanks for listening to us. If you like this podcast and you haven't already, please be sure to uh, subscribe on Stitcher, iTunes, or SoundCloud. If you already subscribe, please be sure to rate us. And if you've already subscribed and rated us, please recommend us to a friend. Uh, That's all the time today, and we will talk to you next week.